I was really broken, but now I'm soaring, you know, with bipolar, my brain is a different brain. Like my brain works in a different way. It's creative now, whereas before it wasn't. I never would have described myself as a creative person. I did never had the ideas. You know, it was just, I was like the, do, the doer. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. You come up with the ideas. Whereas now I'm like, so many ideas. So, you know, that's definitely been, been a, a different thing. And I think it has made me feel much more confident because I know I got through that. So when other things happen, I can't really think of anything worse than what we went through. So I feel from a resilience perspective that I'm definitely, yeah, changed. Having a baby is meant to be the most joyful time of your life. But for many mums and dads, it can be the hardest and at times the darkest of places. Welcome to Blue Mondays, the podcast for anyone struggling with parenting. Today's guest is Hannah Hardy-Jones. Hannah is the founder and CEO of The Kite Programme, a wellbeing app platform that publishes different versions of The Kite app for a variety of clients and causes. Hannah started Kite as a result of her lived experience of bipolar disorder, which was triggered by childbirth in 2013. Her start to motherhood was traumatic, and so she set out to create something for mothers to help support them in their journey, leaving her corporate career in HR. Kite for Mums launched in 2019 and has since expanded into versions for business, industries such as veterinary, and to support specific mental health diagnoses, such as eating disorders. So welcome to Blue Mum Days, Hannah. Very good morning to you because you're in New Zealand. It's nighttime here in London. How are you today? I'm really well, and I'm really excited to talk to you today. I have a feeling we're going to cover off some some business today because, uh, yeah, I think we've got a lot in common and your story is incredible and inspiring that you were able to to take something so traumatic and so hard, but actually create something incredibly positive out of that. So um, had you had anxiety or anxious episodes when you were younger or was this completely No, I mean, like probably for like a few years as a, as a child, like I'd get really anxious about missing the bus. Like that was my thing. Like, what if I miss the bus? And it was, I was always worried about that, but not to a level where, you know, I would have ever be concerned and as a teenager just like that grumpy but you know like the, nothing ever highlighted that that would be there how do you feel Nick because it must have had an effect on him is it something you talk about together yeah I mean it's like it has really um I think it's really scarred us you know so um I think that um he's very much um He's very much um, kind of not head in the sand, but like it's done, we're moved on. But then sometimes things will come out in an argument where he'll say things like, you know, you've called me this in the past and it's been when I was manic, you know? And I'm like, well, that wasn't really me. He's like, well, it was you. Um, So, you know, we sort of like buried it a bit. And then when I started doing my you know my work and starting this business and I made the decision and we both made this decision this decision to that I was going to be a bit open about it and I wrote this blog and it was like you know these little chapters of um of what had happened and then I realized how traumatized he was because he hated it you know he was just like 
I like seeing it and probably because I'd written it in a quite conversational not humorous but you know like more light-hearted so it wasn't this heavy read I think he felt like I was making sort of light of it a bit um you know and that this was his experience too so we've had to work through a lot of that because now I talk about I you know I, I really am actively talking about mental health and not just my experience but others so um we're, I, we're probably on slightly different pages on that and that's probably because of yeah the the, the trauma that he's been through too so and so when did the idea of kite manifest yeah so um I was always aware of just the the lack, lack of support um for 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 mothers and fathers um and I had been at work for a few years I'd had Henry um again we'd successfully gone through that with no relapse and really really well managed so gone through that and I was like, yeah, but I'm back on my, my career path. And I met this woman at a, a sort of a random networking event. And she started asking me, you know, like, do you love your job? And I was like, I love it. I love HR. It's my thing. And she was asking me all these questions about like, wow, it's really unusual to find women that or men that love their, their careers so much. Tell me more. And she sort of kept asking me all these questions and I was like, yep, yep, yep. And I got home and it was like this key had been opened in my mind. Like it had unleashed the fact that actually I didn't want to do this. I don't want to do HR. What am I doing? I want to change, you know, I want to make change. I want to help women, you know, and it was like flooded out. And it just was sort of a few weeks of just like writing ideas. And my idea came was that what if I could write a beautiful note for every mum in the world, you know, or mums, and every day, all they had to do is go to their letterbox and open up this beautiful note and see something that's going to be practical and helpful and like a tool or whatever it was. And then every day, that's all they had to do was just open their letterbox and find this note. And it came from an idea that, you know, how much I would have loved that, like in my absolute depths of despair, going to my letterbox and finding this note would have meant the world to me. So that was the idea, which obviously is not a logistical possibility so I create I, I decided to create recreate that into sort of an app format where you know you could actually get that feeling and see something beautiful and see lovely words that were meaningful um, but it was just on your phone so that was where that came from but, but something that was enough that if you were really going through a hard time that would just reassure you and feel like somebody had put their arm around you and said it's okay yeah and it's validating and and I really the beauty part was really important because everything I was given going through my whole illness was just the, the like ugliest you know the paper that things were written on even you know you felt like it was just like uncaring and and you know like lacking very clinical yeah um and so I sort of thought, well, actually, and it wasn't even so much, it, was, it wasn't even so much creating something just for, for new mums or mums that were identifying as really struggling. It was like the whole spectrum because the corporate mums juggling everything, you know, like they're going through their own thing. And so what if I could create something that actually catered to this whole spectrum of mums and all the things emotionally that they go through, not breastfeeding and weight loss and sleep, schedules it's like you as a woman um yeah so that's where that that came from 
so was Nick supportive of the idea when you when you suddenly said actually HR's not for me I want to do this he yeah I think he was slightly sort of um yeah not concerned but you know he's very much um a, a driven person probably driven more financially you know like of becoming secure and you know all of that so me leaving a fairly well-paid job to not earning money was obviously just like oh that he didn't love that but he also could see that you know there was that the the passion there and it was actually just step by step it was like first like finding an app developer and talking to them is is this even possible so there were steps you know it wasn't like it was suddenly like right I'm quitting so I didn't leave my my role um, until I'd actually built the platform so it was sort of I was still learning when I was doing it which I think probably was quite helpful and if we could just go back in time Mm -hmm. to to the fact you had Henry yeah so you've added to your family how did yeah. you feel going into that second pregnancy after such a horrific experience? Pet, like petrified. Um, we just had decided that we would only have one baby. Um, Nick more so was from a bigger family. So I think he was always like, you know, hoping that we might. Um, but I'd been to the doctor here and I just casually said, you know, oh, it's, you know, I'd, maybe, maybe we'd want another baby, but it would be so out of our reach because of what I've been through and she said look why don't you go and see the the psych team here in Christchurch they're really they've got an amazing unit here um just go and talk to them so we both went to this amazing psychiatrist and she was just like look you can you if you want to do this we'll help you do this you can stay on your medication and I was like really because that was the biggest thing like I was like I wasn't going to come off my meds um she said you can breastfeed while you're on your medication it was like you know, all these things like, wow, really, really, really? She's like, we'll find you a midwife who understands mental health. And, you know, there's all these things. And she's like, we would be here. So if you want to make the decision to do it, we're here. So we were like, okay, let's, wow. let's that's do a, it. That's we're, amazing. That's so reassuring. That so was so amazing, you know, and she's very, um, even just globally, like she's very, I guess, advanced in terms of just, you know, research around, um breastfeeding and lithium for example and you know all those things so um so we yeah we made the decision and we got pregnant really really quickly which was sort of almost like maybe that was meant to be but I was kind of hoping that it would take ages like prepare or there was a part of me that was hoping that it was like oh we actually can't but you know so you've got you weren't quite prepared yeah yeah so it was like, okay, we're doing this. And I had the vomiting again. So I kind of had that to almost take my mind off it because I was vomiting so much. Um, even at the traffic lights in a little bag, like it was just so, so much. Um, but I was absolutely, we both were absolutely petrified towards the end because the risk of having a psychotic episode is really high once you have bipolar. So, which is even more scary because that's a complete break from reality and very dangerous um so that was just always playing on my mind I'd have nightmares about what could happen and you know it was really um yeah it was it was scary but I also happened to work I was the HR person for women's health so I looked there was my there was my people like that I was going in and having my baby and so one of the the heads of the the midwifery department she actually came in and helped deliver Henry with my midwife you know so it was like a really yeah so I really and all of them knew 
my you know my background and history and um so they were always checking on me and even when I was at work you know like so I, I had like that part was a really cool experience and they decided to give me an epidural as they broke my waters so that there was no risk of like trauma and you know it was like this really controlled process and I had this beautiful birth that I didn't really feel anything and it was like and I held Henry straight away and I felt immediately connected to him and like all the things that I'd missed out on with Alice and her in, the, in her birth I got with Henry um which is just awesome and probably healed both of us a lot you know Nick got to see like a birth that didn't go horrifically wrong um so, so it's quite a healing process yeah absolutely it really it really felt like um yeah it did I've got such a lovely memory of it like I, I can feel I can just you know and it yeah it really does and I still think about Alice's birth in that I think it's important that I'm not trying to block it out and I've just got this new birth to replace it like it's got its place yeah. And I truly believe that without that experience, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. I'd be still working in corporate land, you know, like it's given me a gift in many ways. So, you know, I guess it's just a way of thinking about it. Do you, do you know what? That's so common to everybody that I've been speaking to as part of this, this podcast. I can't think of one person that's actually said they regret that experience, that it hasn't taught them something or brought a change into their life that's been quite profound yeah did you grieve for the birth that you didn't have with Alice or the birth experience that you didn't have with Alice um I did for a while um but I think too it's probably like anything isn't it like as your kids get older your birth does become a distant memory it becomes it doesn't become this defining thing because the defining thing is the person that came out of it, you know? And then when I hear people, and so many people, you know, feel so sad they didn't get the birth they wanted. But I do think that with time, and it's like people that like, can you remember what it was like to give birth, what that pain of a contraction was? No, your brain's just like, move on. Like, you don't need to think about that. You've got a human to, like, raise. So I think that's probably that. I'm kind of like... They were just blips, really. They were a means to an end. The end was the baby, yeah. So, yeah, and that that it's not the absolute defining part of your motherhood. No. How wonderful that you had such a great experience with with Henry. Your story is hugely reassuring. To you know, there must be many parents out there, but women especially who are going through that sort of feeling of like, can I do this again? Can I risk? having another sort of traumatic birth or the risk of perinatal illness and it's so wonderful to hear that you had a really positive experience with your second and that you were monitored and supported and given the care and attention and the quality of care that I'd like to think that every mother would be offered um, but we know that isn't the case. Yeah I think it's such a personal decision and I really believe that there's a lot of stigma with having one baby like still it's like the 2.5 kids you know there's no stigma between like oh you've got you've got two kids why don't you have three there's none of that but with the one child it's like so you're gonna have another one or you know it's so so I feel like 
I had such an amazing experience, but I also know that if, you know, there's so many women and men out there that it's too much of a risk. Like I had an amazing support network, but if I hadn't have had that, I couldn't have done it. And it's, I almost feel like it's, it's okay to be in a position where you just, you can't do it. You've got yeah. to protect the child that you have on earth and you've got to protect your marriage or your, your partnership and you've got to protect your mental health. Like it's, yeah, it's such a, a fine line. So I think that like my advice would always just be like, you, you have to do what's best for you and your family. And that if having another baby and the risk to everything is too high, then, you know, like almost like don't put the pressure on that you have to because society says you need or society says that your, your sibling, your, your, your child has to have a sibling. That, you yeah. know, they're not going to be a functioning human because they don't have the sibling yeah, relationship. you'll scar them for yeah. life. Yeah, and I think that's that thing. <laughs> so I think, like, hopefully it's reassuring to people who feel, you know, like, scared that, you know, or they don't want to investigate it as an option. Um, and I think that's the thing. If you've had maternal, if you've had perinatal um, sort of illness, that, you know, there are, there are options, but it's also okay not to want to do it. Yeah, it's so important to sort of bring this into the conversation, I think, because I felt terrible guilt and I still do like nine years on that we we didn't have another child. And certainly for the first, I'd say the first three years of Stanley's life, I couldn't comprehend it because I'd been to such a dark place and found the birth so traumatic so I was 40 when I found out I was pregnant with Stan. We then tried when I was ready and it didn't happen for us. And then I sort of felt grief about that. But I think the hardest thing was, yeah, that societal pressure. I remember going to see a mortgage advisor when Stan was like still in a pram and they were saying, well, you can't leave him on his own. You know, when are you going to have the next one? And and I was it was just it seemed to be coming at you from everywhere it's a bit like with mums that can't breastfeed and that sort of feeling of such expectation and pressurization put on you and I think mum guilt is a terrible a terrible terrible thing oh for everything and the thing is is that you know I know people who've had another child and there's been you know that the child has got you know serious um you know had a serious illness or disability and then they feel guilty that they've had the second child they made that decision and now their other child is going to be affected for the rest of their life because you're going to be putting lots of effort into that you know and it's this you can't win like yeah there's no and I just think that you know with so much of it is that you know what's meant to be that you know that that you were meant to just have Stan like that was yeah your that's your you know your path and your journey and it's yours and you know I think um people do a lot of things because society says you know you get married because that's what you do but is that the right thing to do you know there's just so much of that um and yeah I think it is it's just a very personal journey really and I think people do know deep down what's the right thing deep down you know even though there's a lot of yeah so it's it's yeah it's it's hard 
Do you think there has been any issues with your relationship with Alice or your bonding with Alice because of that experience you had in the beginning? I felt for a long time that there was because she's very much a daddy's girl. Um, But then, which is understandable too, um, I, I really did worry for a long time, but now not, you know, I think... I think you you sort of don't realise that actually it's these years that matter in terms of becoming an adult. The year, When you're a baby, you know, you think of how many, you know, babies have been adopted and they've been in an orphanage until they're two and they're like, they have the most amazing lives. And that part, as much as it does matter, it's almost like, again, it's the, not the defining part. And, you know, yeah, we have an amazing relationship now. And I realise that, you know, as she gets older, she is wanting to talk to me about things that she wouldn't want to talk to Nick about, you know, about friendships and things. Because, you know, she probably feels like he doesn't have the same insight. And, you know, and then seeing with Henry, like, yeah, he's a he is a mummy's boy. But again, I don't know if that's anything to do with his early start. That's just our personalities. Clicking. Yeah, and also they they always tend to say about sort of mums and sons and dads yeah. and daughters anyway. Yeah. Does Alice know that you had a, a difficult time? Do you ever talk to her about that? So she, we've talked to her about what bipolar is actually. We um not so much in that that that's me, but she's seen she's seen so much of the media stuff around kite and that often talks about mental health and she was on a tv um segment well I was but at the end they said oh we'd love Alice to write something and she wrote my mum helps mums and that was her picture and she read it out and said my mum helps mums and I remember her saying to me because because of what you went through hey mum you know even though like we don't really talk about it so I guess eight's still quite young, but, you know, we talk about mental health. We talk about what depression is and things like even at her age, but not so much. Here's the story. But I guess it won't be long until she does. It's fantastic that you're broaching these subjects because it's funny, you know, what you were saying just then about Alice and how perceptive she is. And, you know, again, like with Stan, I, I sort of sat him down the other day and said, you know, do you know why I'm doing this and what this is for? And did you know that I had postnatal depression myself? And he was like, no, but I do now. But I'm just surprised because you're always so joyful, his words were. And that just, <laughs> of course, by that time I had snot streaming down my face, you know, and I was like, oh, my son. And I actually think it's really fabulous that we're able to have conversations with our children about mental health and emotions because it's really important for them in terms of their emotional regulation to be open about their feelings and to be open to talking about it and know that it's okay to talk about their feelings yeah yeah absolutely and we do yeah we do a lot of so in the app um there's a little button which is like quick mindfulness activities but there's sort of there's all sorts of things in there and Alice loves pressing that and doing them and like her favorite one is um if you're feeling like not very confident or you know something you you make you put your fingers into a kite shape and you go on your tippy toes and you hold your kite shape as high as you can and you keep holding it there until you can't anymore and then once you you know come down you feel yeah so there's like all these things that like we try and bring into her toolkit and things that you know 
adults can use, but she does, you know, and knowing that she does know about the fact that, yeah, your kite, we talk about it like your kite, but your kite can be broken on the ground, but all you need to do is just a few little things and then it can soar again. So she's got that image of that is mental health, you know, that yes, you're not yeah. something like I was really broken, but now I'm soaring, you know, so hope. The idea of kite so beautifully represents this idea of hope and there is a future and that actually it could be really bright yeah do you feel that you've changed as a person through this experience absolutely I feel that and I think a lot of people who've gone through um a mental health diagnosis not just about the birth but with bipolar my brain is a different brain so before before bipolar and now um it's different like my brain works in a different way it's it's creative now whereas before it wasn't I never would have described myself as a creative person I did never had the ideas you know it was just I was like the the doer just tell me what to do and I'll do it you come up with the ideas whereas now I'm like you know so many ideas so you know that's definitely been been a, a different thing and I think um it's made it has made me feel much more confident because I know I can I got through that so when other things happen you know even things like I know you know if you think about COVID like if you've never been through anything really really hard and that's your you know that's so difficult to deal with whereas I'm kind of like I can't really think of anything worse than what we went through really I mean you know maybe some things but you know like not nothing sort of day to day so I feel from a resilient resilience perspective that I'm definitely yeah changed very interesting what you're saying about the brain because I was was having a great conversation with somebody earlier about neurodiversity Mm -hmm. this lady's dyslexic and we were talking about how neurodiversity should be much more encouraged in like creative industries because it is a total different way of thinking and Mm. that that's where innovation comes from yeah that sort of resonated with me from what you were saying about all the ideas that you're coming up with now and the innovations and that's actually something that's been enabled by you going through that experience your story is so inspiring and I think it's brilliant that it's actually opened up avenues and changed your life in a completely different direction and now you don't even think about HR no (laughs) although we're about to launch an app for HR people for their mental health so I'm back into feeling like I'm in the HR world because I'm suddenly putting myself into you know like I when I designed the mum app it was like I was in the mum zone and now I'm actually like picturing myself back in sitting at that desk and how hard it is so I'm kind of semi back in it now but not from a (laughs) not from a corporate perspective yeah 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 that that it's quite interesting then if you were in HR before you must have come across people who had sort of mental health issues did you have a sort of understanding of, of that back then or um no I think that's the, the and and this was um I mean eight years ago we didn't talk about mental health as much either so you know in my career early career uh I definitely felt like mental health happened to people who either weren't strong or who were drug abusers or who were just you know oddities you know I mean that that was honestly just the the view that I had and I remember um 
getting a doctor's certificate it was a a doctor who was saying they couldn't work night shifts anymore because they had depression and I just remember being like really irritated like this is this is ridiculous and I don't do we believe her like it was just I remember this and to be honest I blocked it out um and I had had a conversation with someone I'm part of a, a network and it's around how do you talk about your mental health journey from a speaking perspective and he said to me how do you normally start your story and I'm like I pretty much start with the birth of my baby like that's my story and he said no why don't you start before that like who were you what were you like and I thought of that example with that doctor's certificate and I just it just it was like I'd honestly blocked it out and I realized who I was before this and which is what actually triggered me to to recently write this LinkedIn post which was I, I wrote I'm sorry and it was I'm sorry for all, all, all the things I thought before I was diagnosed with a mental illness um and I wrote it all and I kind of just posted it almost like as a a sorry like just a you know my little tiny network on LinkedIn it was like a okay I've said sorry and then it got 2.2 million views and my goodness still carrying on like <laughs> it's still just going gone viral know? it's gone viral yeah. and that's the reason I think is it's like people just identify like I think those things or I thought those things too and people started like you know doing the hashtag I'm I'm sorry I'm sorry like and reposting it and saying I'm sorry and it's like yeah I think it's it is quite shocking for me to think back to that because I've been quite self-righteous like you know, I'm a mental health advocate and I'm talking about the stigma and blah, 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 blah. And it was like, well, I was that person. So I felt like I needed to admit that. It's so hard for people who haven't had an experience of depression or anxiety to relate to, hmm. to what's happening. The, the more I've spoken to sort of mental health advocates or coaches or people in mental health awareness or mental health first aiders, more often than not they've been personally touched either directly or indirectly through mental health issues and mm. you know I, I remember my husband sort of early on felt that because I had postnatal depression and my mum had postnatal depression that it was something we sort of conjured it up and got hysterical about it you know I remember there was one time when he just said the words man up man up you've got everything to be happy about and he knows now how damaging that sort of message is oh, yeah. because he understands it, that it's an illness now and it's not something that you've wished upon yourself and I remember sort of trying to explain to him about how the anxiety and the state of panic feels he gets very claustrophobic and so I was able to say it's that feeling but it comes yeah. on at any time, day or night. Like you can yeah. be one minute, you're in the supermarket and you're putting stuff in your basket. And then that feeling of intense panic and fear and terror comes and you just have to run out of there. And yeah, there were yeah. so many times when I abandoned like a massive pile of shopping where I was just like running out the store with yeah. the pram as fast as I could. It's such a nebulous concept unless you've, kind of experienced it yourself but the more we as people who have experienced it directly open up and talk about it and share our stories the more it normalizes the conversation and I think what you're doing with Kite is so so very special in terms of helping people 
just feel supported and, and nurtured and cared for and with your advocacy and your incredible honesty and, and bravery and talking about your story warts and all I think it's it's incredibly important to, to get that message out there I think you're right in what you were saying about the diagnosis of bipolar seems even more sort of potentially frightening to somebody who doesn't understand the illness than say depression or an individual yeah. manic episode does yeah I think you're doing an awful lot to to help people understand what that can mean and how you can live with it yeah and I think too there's a it's really hard because there's so many statistics out there you know like I remember someone saying to me did you know that 50% of people with bipolar take their own life I'm like wow that's really <laughs> you know like you just it's hard like it's yeah. hard to hear you know and that's yeah. that's not going to make you feel good is it no and I think that that's the thing there's a lot of things I think out there where you have to go don't look don't you know even with depression even with anxiety even if it's just you know like even if it's something that you're worried about with parenting my honest my honest advice is just don't google it don't oh, go no. on forums don't look at you know forums are the worst the worst you know and you think like I'll oh, join this Facebook group because it'll help me and it doesn't help you um and knowing statistics about the rate of recovery or how many people you know I don't think they help either um so that's that's probably another thing around it isn't it it's like just seek out the inspiring people inspiring stories find the stories of hope um there's a really we always talk about you know like if it's on the news and there's some horrific thing happening on the news, you know, tragedy or whatever it is. I always say to the kids, if they ever, you know, happen to see it, is always look for the helpers, always look for the people that are doing the amazing things because they're the people that, you know, like you, you've got to kind of have hope around that. And I think it's the same with, with mental health. Like find the, find the amazing people in the world and follow them and hear about them and just don't focus on the rest. Yeah. Yeah. What message would you give to somebody who's listening to this now, who's frightened with what they're going through? Yeah. Perhaps they've had a diagnosis of bipolar. I think the thing is, is that it's, this feeling is always temporary. I've always thought that, you know, matter what it is, and even if it feels like it's going for a long time, like it is always temporary. Like you will not feel like this forever. There is, the, the the way out of it whether it's medication whether it's support from people I think you know this feeling is temporary and that almost just become your your mantra and just that temp that word temporary just is comforting yeah um you know and and I think the other thing is is that is if people say um can I help you you know like just it's just no matter what just ask for help even if it's just like just sit and hold my hand that's it you know like as hard as it is it's so easy when you're feeling in that state just to be like you know I'm so overwhelmed I can't I can't do it but you know I think that's probably another thing around it which is that applies to any parent you know diagnosis or not just just get help ask for help whoever it is yeah 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 I, th I think that's beautiful advice and I think on the temporary thing I think you're absolutely right 
But it also makes me think of all the phases that kids go through, whether it's sleep regression or teething. And when you're going through it at the time, you just think this is going to be forever. This is what my life's going to be like. And it's not. It's just a phase. So if you're listening to this and your kid's not sleeping, it's not going to be forever. If they're going through the happy slap phase that toddlers go through, where you look at your child and and they're just like beating up other children or slapping you in the face. It doesn't last forever. You will get your lovely child back again. It's just developmental phases and just hang on in there. Things will get better. Yeah, absolutely. You're living proof of that. Oh, it's been so lovely. I could chat to you for the rest of the evening, but I know you've got a day of work ahead of you. So (laughs) thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Hannah. It's been so lovely chatting. Yeah, you too. Thanks so much. And thanks for your amazing work, because I think I would have loved this podcast when I was struggling. If you enjoy this episode of Blue Mondays, please rate and subscribe. It only takes a minute, but it genuinely makes a difference to how many people can find it, which means helping more parents in need. Thank you.